Hello all, I'm once again Kevin Mumphrey and this is another episode of Talking Business. And today we are talking real estate. Now here in Middle Tennessee, we're having a bit of a housing boom. They say about 100 people move here a day, which makes buying a home a very competitive endeavor. So having a good realtor can be quite beneficial. Lucky for me, I actually know one. Guys, this is Matt. <laughs> if you're looking to buy yourself, at 615-70-8595. Y para mis amigos en español, llámanos a mí a Nash y yo al 615-270-8595 si está buscando a comprar o vender. That's my friend Alma. Originally, she was in the field of social work, but she took that same spirit in defending people and brought it to the field of real estate. And that drive and desire to help others gain a home is what sets her apart from other realtors. And in the ultra-competitive field of real estate, you better set yourself apart. So today, let's talk a little bit about real estate. Alma, thank you for taking time out to talk to me about real estate today. Oh, thank you so much. I love doing this. So now I know you're originally from Chicago. So where, yeah. where, where did your um, interest in real estate begin? So real estate was not in my radar at all whatsoever. I have 11 years of social service background. And so I came in here actually working with Tennessee Oncology as a patient advocate. So I made sure that we could find um, different types of um, grants that we can offer to cancer patients. And then one of my um, best friends from New York, uh, Harry, he uh, came to visit me and was like, you're too smart, you're too brilliant to not see what's going on in Nashville. So he's like, you have to get into real estate. And to be honest with you, as much as I love social services, it just doesn't pay well. Anyone that is in social services is underpaid unless you're an executive director, unless you're like someone pretty high up that gets that 200, 150,000 salary, 300,000 salary. Most caseworkers get paid like 40 to 60 caps. And with, with college debt and credit card debt, it was just kind of like paycheck to paycheck at the time. So I jumped into real estate and oh my. <laughs> so when did you like start to notice the um, like the kind of booming in the Nashville market? Within three months of being in Nashville. So when I first moved to before I moved to Nashville, I, the Chicago me was already like, I need to move. I need to do what my mom did at 18. She left Puerto Rico. She left all she knew. So I was already like, I need to leave Chicago because this is all I know. So I was thinking, um, uh, Nashville, Colorado, um, those were pretty two, two of my top choices was Nashville, Colorado. I love the way Nashville smelled. The people were nice. I was like, I'm going to do this. And so I, I left with on a whim within uh, a week, um, of coming back from a TV show I was filming in Nashville. I had already like gotten my stuff and moved to Nashville. I got a full time working with Tennessee oncology. And then I, um, uh, and then I just found a place within literally within a week and I was living here. And um, I immediately was like, there were cranes everywhere, like all over Nashville, there were cranes. And I was like, oh my God. And then my best friend was like, yo, for someone like who's in slight debt and with your personality, you look, you, you care after people, this would be great. And at first I was like, I want to sell the million dollar condos. I want to be into luxury. But I realized pretty quickly that this was way deeper than that. It was more about protecting people physically, financially. Um, and that actually made me like it more because it was having to, it was serious. I mean, and real estate had always kind of scared me, which is why I've thought about it. I, I think everybody's thought about it, but I think it's just so scary. So much information to freaking learn. Um, but once you get that, it's all, it's all fake it till you make it. Once you have enough experience, it becomes secondhand nature. And you're just like, this is incredible. I get to protect people with contracts, be at home inspections, um, negotiations, appraisals. Like, it's all pretty intense and fun. So, like, uh, you mentioned like all the work that was involved. So, like, how does one actually get licensed to be a realtor? So, first, you find what's the best school for real estate. And everybody had had talked to me about CLI in Green Hills. Well, at least they were in Green Hills when I attended uh, four and a half years ago. CLI is the best because they've been the longest real estate school. So that says something about their, their programs, that it's the longest 
um, real estate school in existence in Nashville. So I did that and I passed on my first try. Um, obviously, I, I must mention, I don't have kids and I was working part-time while I went to real estate school. Um, and uh, it was, I like to learn, I love school. So for me, it was really cool to just learn because I saw learning as money. So I'm like, okay, if I study from like 10 to 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. every night and read, um, go back and re review all the chapters we covered in class, um, all that, all that meant money to me. All I, all I was, was like, that's money, that's learning, that's learning how to be a boss. And and this is the first time I've ever been um, my own self-employed, 100% commission. So that's scary. That was scary as hell for me. My first year, I wanted to give up. Um, the brokerage I was at celebrated me as a person, as a Latina. So they love me personally, but they did zero to educate me on how to actually sell. And real estate school is really just how they just teach you how not to get sued. So they actually don't teach you in real estate school how to actually do real estate at all. It teaches you how not to get sued and how to do the right thing versus the wrong thing. So I, um, I gotta say, you know, when I changed to uh, uh, my second year, I, I switched and I switched to Gary Ashman. Uh, I recommend it for very UB. Yeah, very popular name. I mean, I think the education there was was super cool. The mentorship was amazing. I think once you do, but they're, but they're known for also being a new agent team. That's not a team where you stay forever, especially if you do really well, because Gary eats up all your commission. You know, he's oh. a nice dude. He's a nice dude. He's never been disrespectful to me. He's been very nice, but he damn well eats off your, like he eats half of your plate. He eats half of your plate. So that's, when you see those billboards, you think like something is my money. That's my money. That's a hundred percent. You better thank me for them damn billboards. Gary. <laughs> and commercials. And commercials and everything else. Like, oh, this is Gary with his English accent. But no, he's a cool dude. I, I do recommend it for new agents for sure because he wants you to use his name. He wants you to build connections. But once you become a baller, once you become, you know, people, real estate is all about referrals. The the more, the better you are as a realtor, the more the word spreads. Um, the one thing you have to be, careful is that everyone in Nashville is is two things is a realtor or a musician i think you know this i, I was going to say that but i'm glad you did i, I think you know this you're either a musician oh, yeah. or a realtor and so when you have to stand out you have to stand out 100 percent. you have to stand out and be the best because there's just so many of us um do i do i think it's it's too saturated for you to become a realtor or too saturated for you to buy absolutely not there is room. There is room for business. There is room for you to buy a home because prices in Nashville are our home sales prices are increasing, and so are mortgage rates. So if ten years ago you could buy a home for one hundred and twenty thousand, that home is now worth three hundred ninety nine thousand dollars. Yikes! Imagine where we'll be in three years, in five years, because the influx of people moving in transplants like myself, um, they're not stopping. Some people get discouraged and go back home. That's cool. But the influx of people moving to Tennessee is not stopping or slowing down. So, like, how long was the uh, schooling aspect of it? You know, it's, it's been so long ago. I want to say it was a month. It could have been two months. I literally, I can't remember because at that time, remember, I had just moved here. I was also working nights. Um, or, or, yeah, I was working nights, but then trying to study some nights that I was off. So it was just a big, ugh. I want to say it was like a month, maybe a month and a half max. But I really do want to say it's a month. And I busted my ass studying. Like, I reviewed what we went through class. I wrote notes. I asked questions. Um, I was on it. I, I just wanted to get out of debt. And sure enough, as soon as I went to the Gary Ashton team, I paid off $30,000 of credit card debt in one year. In one month. Excuse me. In one month. In one month. Yikes. Ooh. One now, when month. you said time, with, I was thinking you were going to say, like, six months, a year. No. I wasn't expecting a month. A month. So, once you got finished and... You're certified to be a realtor. Like, where, so how did you go about, like, I guess, looking for a Gary Ashton? So first I went to this, a brokerage has to sponsor you. So once you pass your classes and you get your real estate license, there's a brokerage that has to sponsor you and say, I'm responsible for this person. If you do anything that gets you in trouble, your broker has to be present with you. And so obviously I had a lot of brokerages that wanted me, but I jumped to the first one that I, that called me. And they were in the Gulch, and I'm like, oh, snap, they're in the Gulch. They nah, did zero nah. education. 
So um, I think, well, how did I get into Gary Ashton? How did I get into Gary Ashton? I don't remember who was the connection, but I do remember hearing that they are very good at it. Oh, I think I called the broker. Oh, shoot. Um, I think I called the broker. And I'm um, sorry, my battery just was like, it's dying. And I was like, Ugh. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm getting my charger. But um, I think it was a broker herself that I was like, hey, I think I told her like, my numbers suck, but I promise you I'm really, really good. Like, I promise you I'm good. I'm pro I promise you I'm hungry. Like, I'm aggressive. And she's like, you know what? I don't know. Something about you tells me to give you a shot. Little did I know they gave everybody a shot. At the time, <laughs> I felt special. Um, but she gave me a shot and within the first month I sold 1.2 million. Woo. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. But then, but then check this out. Once I started going crazy with Gary, I noticed that when I could be getting 15,000, I was getting like 3,000 to 6,000 when I could be getting 15,000, when I could be getting 20,000. So now that I had my own business, my, and it came to the point where I was on the Gary Ashton team and I was just getting all personal business. Like it wasn't even coming from Gary at that point. And I'm just giving Gary 40% of my money. So at that time I was like, nah, hell that, nah, we're going to do that right now. I'm with Realty One, uh, Realty One group in uh, Music City in Nashville. That's a hundred percent commission. And that's for, for everyone, a hundred percent commission, but you have to realize that you're your own boss. So I don't have someone on top of me like, hey, yo, are you waking up at 5 a.m.? Are you sending me, are you sending business? No, you're, you're your own boss. The most important thing is learning how to be your own boss, having the right schedule. It took me a whole year to, to follow the actual schedule I freaking made. It took me a year to follow the schedule that I had made for myself. Because in the beginning, it's all about juggling. You just want to get those deals under contract. You just want to get that money. But then once you get that money, you guys also have to be valuable and you have to tell people, look, I am really good at what I do. And you're just going to have to like go by my schedule. Okay. So we talk about this, the first house you sold. So like, were you, you oh my God. being nervous? Oh, did I fake it till I make it? Oh my oh, God. Oh yes, please elaborate. I remember one time he was like, hey, you just told me that our contract ended. He's like, hey, you just gave me a document that says our contract ended yesterday and <laughs> and i'm like uh i did and so i was like shit where's where did i go wrong and i was supposed to say our, our contract ends a year from now instead i said our contract already ended like you know i don't work with you <laughs> oh <laughs> and it was a seven hundred thousand dollar home in nolensville so i guess you technically accidentally gave your resignation yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually gave my power away, but we fixed it. He signed it. I think I think he knew I was fresh. I think he was like, whatever. I like you. Just, just get this going, you know. But then after the first deal, oh, man, I acted like I was the boss. After my first deal, I acted like I was the best in the world because um, it really is all about experience. And the most educational part was attending all home inspections. Attending all home inspections was uh, it's just so eye-opening and you learn so much. Like the, I did go to the hospital because I, I was so stupid. I would make these videos saying, oh, does your realtor go into cross bases? I do. And then I got uh, um, a mold uh, allergy reaction from going oh. and diving into cross bases. And I was hospitalized. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you could use that as great marketing too. <laughs> yeah, when your realtor get hospitalized for you, I would. So I got some type of mold uh, infection, allergy reaction from just diving into cross spaces. Um, but honestly, I feel I look, I, I, I've been in this for four and a half years, almost. I think it's maybe even five. Uh, I still feel new because now everything in Nashville is changing. I used to get four homes under contract a month. Now I do. I'll be honest, zero to two homes a month because inventory has dropped. Does that discourage me? No. Because what comes up must come down and there's always business. There's always business. If I close eight deals right now, I'll still make a hundred thousand. And I usually, my numbers are usually 24 to 32 with the, when there's good inventory. So oh. even if I close eight deals, I will still make a hundred because there's always business. I, you, I think as a realtor, you really have to save your money. I, I used to suck at that because I used to get money and then I'd be like, I'm going to Puerto Rico. And then everybody in my Instagram was like, oh, she's in Puerto Rico. Or like now I have a tendency of like making money and be like, I'm getting a new tattoo. And it's like, Alma, you did your whole back. 
what are you gonna do? You know, like relax, you know, tattoos aren't cheap, you know, but but now um I like it. I think once you join real estate, once you do start it, I think it becomes a part of you. It's like monopoly. Um, you can either pay rent or you can buy the properties and then collect that money. That's how I see monopoly. I, I see real estate as a monopoly game. You can keep paying rent every time you go, or you can collect the rent if you bought the property. Now, when you because usually with certain majors, you learn more on the field than you do necessarily in class. So percentage-wise, how much would you say you've learned doing real estate as far as like going to school and learning about it? I had a really, really, really good teacher. Um, I would say ethically and business-wise, I would say 30% was from class. Okay. That's a big, that's a big difference. That means 70% is on the field. I'm starting to feel like there's a lot of fields at this point. Yeah. Yeah. 70% is on the field with real estate. And, and remember you, it can't, it's not about the brokerage either. It's about who are your mentors? What educational systems there for me, real estate brokerages are about lead generation. Are you going to give me clients and are you going to educate me on the newest advances or on, on, the, on the newest innovative um, CRMs, client relationship management? What are you going to do for me? That's, that's, you know, but I, I have a friend who has been in, in real estate for two years and he hasn't had much success. And me and my, my girlfriend have been trying to like, um, tell him it's not the brokerage it's it's the person you have to constantly educate yourself to stand out from the rest you know and he's a brilliant he's such a cultured dude like super cultured worldly guy and he does great with everyone but a lot of times it's just about mentorship and education in real estate it's a lot to learn like i mean the contracts itself i used to be so fearful of them fearful fearful and now i can type a beautiful contract in 15 minutes and the only i can type it in 5 but the only reason it takes me 15 is because I have OCD and I want to make sure everything looks peachy keen. Like looking over and over. And yes. Over. Just looking it over and making sure they're protected hundred percent. So now you mentioned the contract. Do realtors normally type the contracts? Yes. Or? Yeah. So buyer agents are supposed to be free, hundred percent free to the, the client. If you are buying property, realtors are free. There may be a transaction um, fee, depending there's almost usually a transaction fee but it's it differs from brokerage to brokerage um but they're free to buyers now as far as the seller the realtor will give you what percentage they ex they would expect from you on on their side and on the buyer's agent so when you're when a realtor is free it's because the seller is paying for both the listing agent who put the house in the market and he's also paying for the buyer's agent oh okay yeah, so a lot of sellers don't don't get too happy. The sellers will be like, "Yeah, I'll give you this percentage. Yeah, I'll give you this percentage." And then I've had clients at at closing go, "You made how much money?" And I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! I ran this with you like ten times. You knew how much that agent was gonna make. You knew how much I was gonna make. I mean, I'm you could have put the house on the market if you wanted to, but I guarantee you, I give you like fifty to a hundred thousand dollars more. Yeah, I cost. Yeah, you can put the house on the market yourself." But using a realtor, you're, it's going to turn into a multiple offer. I don't know if you noticed, but whenever a, a, a good house hits the market, it almost turns into a freaking auction. You know, it, oh, it, yeah, it goes definitely. over, it goes over. They received 30, well, uh, a year and a half ago, it was like 15, 15 offers over. Uh, now it's 30 offers. 30. 30. That's the norm now. Now, and how like over asking price? Is that normal too? That usually go like how far over asking price normally? I've seen things from in this industry, a hundred thousand over, um, thirty thousand over has been twenty to thirty has been the norm for me lately. But if I contact a friend who is also a realtor who I know has a, a mark a property coming on the market, or if I find an off market property, that's where you can get your client the, the property for list price. I have had clients get the house for list price recently. I have. Um, it's very far and few. I would say it's 30% of, of the deals I made, I'm making this year are going to be like that, where I'm finding them off market or I'm talking to a friend saying, hey, if you have any, any listings coming soon, run it by me first. Um, and that's part of, you got to be constantly proactive as a realtor. You can't just stay still and be like, well, I'm going to have 
I'm going to have all these deals land on my lap. No, 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 mamita. No, no. You've got to be very proactive. You've got to be on the ball. I'm, t- I'm talking to everyone. Do you have anything in Murfreesboro? Antioch, Smyrna, do you have this, 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 this? And then we start emailing, hey, I do have a property. Great, hold on. So let me get my client. And before it hits the market, I'll beg them. Can I please show it to them? We can give you in the contract. We'll give you 30 over. And it's just like even before it goes on the market, we can try to get it under contract. Now, sounds like you're very much on the go all the time. So how do you navigate like time for yourself, like time management? So how do you navigate So... I will say that I work probably two times more than I did when the inventory, when there was more inventory. I now feel like a realtor slash Uber driver because there are such few houses compared to when I first started. There was houses galore. There was like houses for every client. I had like 12 houses they can choose from. And now for every client, I have like two properties to zero properties that they can choose from. So I will say, I feel like I'm working twice as hard, um, but I still stand firmly in where I try to keep my weekends limited. It's kind of hard to keep my, some of my Saturdays and Sundays because you got to be realistic. Um, I would rather make 20000 than watch a Netflix movie. So with yeah, low inventory, idea. yeah, I mean, you, you have to realize that with this market, you just got to be a little bit smarter and, and be more available. Now, I have some realtors who are like, I refuse to work Saturday, Sunday, and that's fine. But then your client becomes my client. And you that's get fine. the 20000 And then I get the 20000 and you get zip zero nada because they, they didn't sign a contract with you. The, those clients didn't sign a, cl- a contract with you. They signed one with me because I showed them the house first. Now, I wanted to get to the money management aspect of, because um, your job, it's ebb and flow up and down. You're not getting a consistent check. So how did you kind of learn to like manage your money? Um, how did I learn to manage my money? Uh, man, I think I had to go. I think I had to drop when I saw that money drop from because in real estate, this is how it is. You can have anywhere from. 30,000 to 50,000 in your bank account to 5,000 real quick, real quick. Cause look, we got expenses. I, I still pay a mortgage in Chicago. I just got a new car. I got T-boned two weeks ago in, in East Nashville, you know? So then I had to put that money for a new car. Uh, now guaranteed, I have the best car insurance ever, the best car insurance. And they gave me a nice check for the old one that got totaled cause it was paid off. But I still, you know, it's like when bad things happen, like they come in threes. And so oh, yeah. it's like, it's like, oh, I now have to put money that was going towards my second house is now going to a new car. Okay. Okay. Like, <laughs> all right. That wasn't part of the plan. I'm really, really happy with my Jeep. Wasn't part of the plan. So it's like, I think I, when I, when your money's so low, you go, I don't like how this feels. And I also, I'm also paying for health insurance. And I'm one of the lucky ones who is a realtor who actually has health insurance. I know a lot of realtors who are just like, I just can't afford it right now, or it's not a good decision right now. But I mean, you have to remember accidents aren't planned. You know, anything can happen to you any day. And then that's a $7,000 hospital bill. So I, um, what, I guess my best, my best advice would be, and I was just talking about this to a friend today. You can be like, oh, I've got 10,000 coming, or I've got 10,000 coming. Those two deals fall apart, you're making zero. So I'm always on the go. I'm always thinking I've got 10 here, 10 here, 10 here, 20, 20, 10, 10, 10. You constantly got to be on the move. I guess my best advice to a realtor is don't ever think that that closing is guaranteed because the day of closing, it's not going to close because there was a tax discrepancy. There was a employment discrepancy and the deal does not happen. So from $15,000, you get zero zip nada. And we, and we don't care that you sign them up, show them the house, did the home inspections. They, they don't care. You just will not get paid. So like how many ways that a, a, a deal could kind of fall through for, for you? I will say 100% never rely on a deal. Because things look, the bank could be telling you everything looks great. Everything looks great. And it's happened to me twice. And, it, and I, both clients, actually one, two, three, it's happened to me three times. And it's the bank's fault. Because they're like, everything's great. Everything's great. I don't know why they feel so scared to just be like, we're having a problem. One was because 
there was a tax discrepancy that was found out by the lender, the bank, day of closing, which I was furious because I'm like, you had 30 freaking days to find out about this tax discrepancy and you found out on the day of closing. <laughs> I had another one that um, uh, the appraiser, we were on time on everything, but the appraiser, instead of going to the property, decided to go to freaking Miami. And oh. because he went to Miami instead of the appraisal, um, the seller would not extend the the closing and and they lost a lot of money and they had everything in boxes and they were going to start off. I mean, I think she was already knocked up. And she was bawling her eyes out and I couldn't help but crying because my client was bawling. I think yeah. the third time was um, an investor. Uh, he was an item, meaning he didn't have a social security. So he they he was they had to go off of his tax ID. They, the bank is like, everything's great. Everything's great. Day of closing. Um, oh, my God. Our investor backed out. Oh, Dude, that burns. That burns like hell. Don't ever, ever. So as a realtor, save your damn money. Save your money. Save your money. And two, act like a closing is never guaranteed. So when like these situations where like the bank or lender... Do you you pretty much have to start back from like square one as far as finding a house? At that point, the client won't probably want to work with you. At that point, they won't either they won't either want to work with the bank or work with you. Out of those three deals, one of them went off to go get his own uh, deal off the market, which I think was a very bad idea because he won't have protection legally. He won't have legal protection. The other one be, we became such good friends with me. He became like family. He's still my client. The third one, they ended up getting so frustrated. They demanded I show them six homes every day. And I didn't, mm. that's just unrealistic. And I told them, I'm sorry, but you're not my only client. Like, I understand the market is frustrating. You will nab a house. I will protect you. I am the best agent, but I, I cannot give you, that's four hours every single day for one client when I have 12 active clients. Okay, 12. I have 12 active clients at a time, every time. And that's a lot. The norm is usually eight to 10. So I tell my clients, look, you will find a home. You're going to find a home. You're going to have to be patient. And I always tell my clients, do not fall in love with, don't take it personal. If you don't win, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Just have fun. Let me be the one arguing and fighting and getting dirty. You have fun. But what happens? They go, oh yeah, no, we've been through this. Yeah, no, I'm not going to fall in love. And then they go, that was my house. That house that just that was the house for me. That was the house for me. And I'm like, yeah, you told me you weren't going to fall in love. I told you not to fall in love. Now, these specific clients, I've gotten under contract, and they're very happy with their homes. They're very happy, but they had to be patient because I, I don't know if you've seen the news in Nashville, but there have been several news articles and new uh, interviews that per each buyer, they've sent at least six to 12 offers per buyer. Now, do I think now is the time? Yes. Yes. Go. Don't let that discourage you. Don't be stupid. This is real estate. This is a money's game. This is all monies. You get a damn home under contract, any home under contract. That's your money. I'd rather waste, uh, you know, the, the 60 days losing out on offers, but getting a home under contract than losing out $50,000 paying someone else's mortgage. Oh, yeah. Because rent is going up. You know, or well, okay, maybe like twenty to thirty thousand. All right, let's be more realistic. Twenty <laughs> to thirty thousand. I rather play this game of winning and losing, winning and losing, or losing and winning, than having to pay someone else's mortgage. Now is the time. You're gonna be screwed if you wait two, three years from now. Homes are just gonna keep getting higher. At least now, try to find someone. Go by reviews. If you see a realtor you like, read their reviews. If you see a broker, don't go by the brokerage. I would go by the realtor's reviews. See what people say about them. Because that's what that's how I buy anything on Amazon, uh, furniture. I see, I read reviews. Who's gonna be the best? Now, what necessarily like? I mean, would, would you like these reviews? Would they be like on Yelp or they're like a certain spot? Facebook, Instagram. See what they're doing. Talking about Facebook and uh, Instagram. Look at their um, Facebook pages. Look at their Zillow pages. I have a lot, a crap load of clients who reach me off of Zillow just because it says I'm bilingual. So, so being bilingual actually helps you being being a realtor. A hundred percent. It like probably gives you a good at least fifty percent more business. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, 
being bilingual would definitely get people from all over the world will call you like, Hey, I had uh, at least eight people call me and say, Hey, I found your profile on Zillow. You're, you're bilingual. My clients coming from California. They're coming from New York. They're coming from Miami. And then I just like started helping them right off the bat. I will say you either have the cash for it or you got a loan. So I will, and it, it's okay if you don't know, like, I think the reason why my clients love me so much and most of them are all my friends is just that they, I educate them. Some people don't have a clue where to start and I have to educate them and, and talk to them like from the, because here's the stupidest thing, Kevin. They don't talk about this in high school. They teach us calculus, but they don't teach us how to buy a house. They don't really teach us hardly anything about money. Or taxes. They don't teach you about your taxes. No. They don't teach you about how to buy a house. Y'all need to stop teaching us trigonometry squared and teach us about real estate and taxes, damn it. Because I'm meeting a lot of people, or, or even people who have bought three homes. And I'm like, did you know you could do this and this could change that? And they're like, whoa, I didn't know that. I'm like, yeah. Because you either learn that from someone else or the IRS sends you a letter like, oh, I guess they didn't tell you about this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you exactly. definitely don't want to learn from the IRS. <laughs> now, you have you have multiple people that you're finding a house for now. So how do you navigate time between all your clients? Uh, you're talking to a workaholic. I'm not the best one to talk to about that. Um, you're talking to a workaholic. <laughs> I, a workaholic yeah. who's trying to get knocked up too, okay? He's trying to get knocked up. Um, I just, from 5.30 a.m., I make my boo some breakfast, and then I'm, I'm on my laptop. I'm on my laptop. Sometimes I work till 3.30. Sometimes I work till 8 o'clock. But I will say this. Something that real estate provides for me is freedom. So if I ever needed three days off or I need to go to Chicago, be there with family, or if I need to take three, three hours off, or if I need to find, take two days off to find a new car, real estate gives me that freedom. So, you know. Okay. So from one worker, workaholic to another. So let me ask you this. So when you're taking, maybe you're like a, you say, oh, I'm going to take a little three-day weekend. You go out to Chicago, or Puerto Rico, wherever. Is, do you like have to put your phone like, Almost have to throw your phone away or like leave your computer. I, I have two phones. I have a personal and a of business phone. <laughs> yeah, I've got two. Of course I do. And I t people always ask, why do you have two phones? I'm like, well, this is my Colombian drug business that I have. This is that phone. Like, the narcos call me on. And they're like, for real? I was like, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But like one of them is, and now the business one, I'll automate it. So it's like, hey, I'm uh, unavailable for three days. If this is an emergency, call my assistant. And I'll have an assistant phone number or I have a, a business associate who's jumping on the showings for me and I'm paying them off of all that. So it's like, um, and, and mo then the needy clients, I tell them like, I will be, I will be limited access. We, I will check in with you every day from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. I'll check in with you twice a day. Don't blow my phone up. I'm going to be with family. I'm dealing with something. So okay. You will have clients that think they own you. Um, out of my whole entire business, I've only fired, and you're going to have to fire. It feels so refreshing when you fire clients. <laughs> I've only yeah. fired, I want to say that I can think of is one in five years, which is really good. But I, I'm pretty sure there were two clients that I fired. Yeah, there were two clients. And one of them was just so, um, he was uh, he was just nasty. The way he spoke about women was just awful. I just didn't like the way he, 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 he spoke down to me because I was a woman. And he was like, I'm, I'm teaching you. And I was like, oh, excuse me. I'm your teaching realtor me. teaching me. No, honey. I'm like, this is a mutual, respectful relationship, business relationship. And he would just be little, he spoke to me very ugly. And I just said, you know what? And he, he would tell me all the time, like, you know, sorry, I was at church. Oh, and I'm married. Don't think that, you know, I'm a coming on. Why do you have to make such inappropriate comments, dude? Just, I'm trying to sell you a freaking house. Don't make inappropriate. Don't make it weird. Don't make it weird. I just got rid of him. He was just a weird ball. I just got rid of him. Uh, and I don't think people really even think about like, yes, the realtor can actually fire the client. Oh, yeah. And it feels so good when you do it. It feels so <laughs> good. It feels like the Satan just left the building. Like, oh, yes. Not nerve wracking for you at all. Oh, no, I love it. I love to put people <laughs> in their place. I love to put people in their place. Not at all. That's I think that's why another reason why I like real estate is because I like to negotiate. Um, I know that before I used to, I used to be a meanie to listing agents and I used to be like, I need your seller to pay 3% of my client's co uh, closing costs. And they'd be like, what? that's unheard of. And I'm like, well, if you can't do it, this person will. And then they do it for me. Well, now the shoes on the other foot. And now I'm seeing listing agents who are nasty to me. 
and two listing agents. Um, I'm like, hey, is it okay if I show the house before it hits the market? And they reply, they reply kind of snarky. And they're like, um, excuse me, but we're not trying to get our license revoked because of Yale. And then I have to like, <laughs> I have to be like, calm down. And then I'd be like, and I, I get nasty, right? But I'm like, wow, that was not what I was implying. I'm like, you know, have some compassion. Market is low. Our clients are tired. Realtors are, and then they're like, hey, hey, I'm sorry. Like both, both, all listing agents have apologized to me. When I tell them how hard it is, they all apologize because they remember, they remember what it's like when, you know, it's either a buyer's market or a seller's market. You have to understand it's either buyer or seller. I it used to be a buyer's market. I was like, hey, hey, now it's a seller's market. And I'm like, oh, please, please, I give you my dog and firstborn. Please, <laughs> I give you my ovaries. And they're just like, nah, dude, that's not going to cut it. <laughs> now, as I call housing for dummies, could you kind of explain like what is a buyer's and a seller's market? A buyer's market, and was when there is bountiful. There's a lot of houses on the market, and the the when there's more buyers, um, when there's more. Well, okay, put it like this: when there's more. God damn it! I'm thinking there's a perfect way to describe it, but basically, when there's more houses on the market, um, buyers can ask for more stuff. Um, but when there's uh, le- less houses on the market, sellers hold a lot more power. When there's less houses on the market, a seller is like, no, I'm not going to give you repairs. No, I'm not going to help you with closing costs. Um, you're on your own with all that. And when it's a buyer's market, we can actually buy the house um, at list price or under list price. Many a time I would buy a house under list price. I would be like, we're taking $20,000 off. We're taking $15,000 off. Oh, if you're not going to repair, take another $10,000 off. That's a buyer's market. When buyers can ask for more. When it's a seller's market, it's when sellers get demanding. And say, no, we're not fixing. Like right now, you're not going to find a house with repairs. I mean, you can, like I said, there's that 30% that I told you about that you can find off market. But right now, the majority of sellers are not going to, not going to repair the house for you. They're just not. Why? They've got 30 buyers. And is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So now when they go go back to um, you being a negotiator. Now, are you naturally a negotiator or this is just something? I'm naturally a fighter. So if I wasn't in real estate, I would have been a lawyer or an MMA fighter. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was gonna say I definitely could see you as a lawyer. I didn't. I didn't see MMA. <laughs> I'm gonna trust you on that. I don't. But you know, it it gives you thicker skin, but it also gives you. It also helps you communicate better because a lot of times what comes off as like a big. I learned that before when there was a problem, I used to be very reactive. And now I'm not so reactive. Now I give, when anyone's upset, I give them an hour. I will not touch my phone for an hour. I will not answer them for an hour. Um, I let things calm down within an hour. And then I'm able to communicate. I think real estate has really taught me how to communicate more effectively. um, Because you never know when you need that listing agent or that buyer's agent or with that client. A client, I remember I have clients that ignored me, ignored me, ignored me. And then one day they contact me like, oh, you're the best thing in the world. We want to work with you. And I'm like, what the hell? I thought you don't ghosted me. So I guess you learned not to take those things so personally. Yeah, you you cannot. You cannot. Sometimes it's hard when there's friendships involved. Like when you, I had a friend who I connected with right away. She gave a, a, a $750,000 deal to someone she knew for five years. And that kind of hurt me because I just thought we were closer than that. Um, but then I, you know, we remained friends. But then I started to stop sharing good stuff with her too. I got kind of petty. <laughs> I got kind of petty because she wanted a lot of TV shows and I, and I knew about all these TV shows. I'm like, I ain't giving you shit. You didn't give me that deal. So sometimes it's hard. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes it's hard not to take it personal. But as far as things that happen during transactions, that I can tell you I don't take personal. Okay. So now would you suggest uh, being a friend of yours, real realtor, being a realtor for a friend? Or I would love that. I would love that. Yeah, because I, I think I am the best. I think I I think that even when, when it's like someone who's not family or friend, if I don't know, I'll say, Hey, you know what? That's a good question. I'm not too sure about that. Let me contact the lawyer. Let me contact title. Let me contact the lender. I'm going to give you an answer within one hour. Um, so I am one to my personality type as much of, uh, as a next year. And as much as I love dancing, oh, yes. I'm actually a cautious and supportive. Those are my two traits that stand out when I do personality tests. So I'm actually very cautious. If, it doesn't feel right or, or I just won't put my client in that predicament because there are realtors who 
will put you in anything just for their commission. And I find that so evil and I find that so repulsive that you will put a family in harm's way for $9,000 commission. I hope you get sued. I hope you get sued because that's so dangerous. I mean, you, you're protecting them physically with the home inspection, make sure that radon, radon is a gas that you can't smell or touch that can give cancer within a year, like severe cancer. Um, there's home inspections. There's, um, you know, protection uh, contingencies. Are they going to get the money back for the deposit, which is called earnest money? Earnest money is a deposit you make saying, I'm giving you in this in good faith that, you know, I want this house. Where, if the deal falls apart, are they going to get that money back? I'm not going to, no, I'm, I'm protecting my client. You protect yours, but I'm going to protect my client. Now, I want to get into uh, Zillow because some people like to sell their houses on Zillow. So I kind of um, wanted you to kind of elaborate. What do you offer as a seller that someone couldn't get necessarily when they sell in their house themselves on Zillow? So I look at numbers. Um, I'm always one for if you can do <clears throat> better without me, please do. So I will even contact the Zillow representative myself and say, hey, I know you went out and checked out their property. What numbers do you have? Because remember, Zillow is going to give you a fee and they're also going to give you a fee for repairs. So they're going to double they're going to double fee you, whereas I'm going to be one fee. So I always say, look, let's see where you net more. My thing is like, I'm going to show you my my uh, list seller report of how much you're going to net with or without repairs. And then I want you to look at Zillow's net sheet. Where are you getting the most money? Because you're, you're getting rid of the house. Where are you going to get the most money? And if Zillow's going to offer you more money, kumbaya, go ahead and I'll, and I'll, that's great. I won't be mad. But if I'm giving you more money, I think it's foolish for you not to give me 30 days. And you can give a realtor, look, I give you 60 days to do this for me. If you can't do it in 60 days, I'm going to give it to another broker or I'm going to give it to Zillow. You can do that. So you kind of, you kind of, you, I guess, use Zillow to your advantage. I don't like to send it to Zillow because I think in this market, I, four years ago, I did. Four years ago, I did. Um, because I was like, uh, we, I was also working with Gary Ashton and he has a Zillow program. So it was like, I was going to make money either way. Um, but I was not going to list the home if they made more money through Zillow. So I was always like, where you make the most money, that's where you go. So right now I really haven't, I'll be honest with you, Kevin, I haven't seen too many Zillow deals. I know they're out there, but because the market is so low on inventory, going directly to a, a listing agent is just, to me, it's just smarter because we're going to guarantee you 40,000 over list price. Okay. Now I want to kind of uh, touch on like the pandemic a bit when everything kind of shut down. So how was business for you at that time? During COVID? Oh man, I made the most money I ever made. During Wait, COVID, I, I made the most money ever. It was about six months to a year after COVID. It was like fall of 2021 that I started to notice that all these houses that were up here were going down, 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 down. And so my clients had less to choose from. And when there's less to choose from, like for instance, Smyrna used to have 30 to 60 houses on the market at like under 350. Now Smyrna has eight houses on the market. That's going to affect your business. And remember, everyone's a goddamn realtor. Remember, everyone is a goddamn realtor. <laughs> so we're all trying to make money. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. when there were more houses, I didn't give a sh crap about. And I still don't really care about how many realtors there are because I'm going to do what Alma's going to do. I'm going to I know I'm working hard. I don't care what the next agent's doing, but it's hard for everyone. Even people who were all top producers are being affected. All listing, even listing agents are being affected. Because there's no houses to list. So now we're all, our marketing efforts are now, instead of going to buyers, we all got a, a zillion buyers. Now we're trying to get houses. So we're contacting everybody. Hey, how would you like to list your home and get 50,000 over list? How would you like to list your home? How would you like to list your home? Now I'm going to sit on it. And the crazy part is I have some uh, sellers who are like, now nah, I'm going to sit on it and I'm going to sell it for a million. Okay, well, hold on now. You have a three bedroom, one bath at eleven hundred square feet. You cannot sell it for more than three fifty, okay? <laughs> that three years from now, six years from now, that shit ain't gonna go to a million. It's gonna stay at three fifty. <laughs> See, and the thing is that we do the listing agents do the same job as an appraiser. An appraiser, every bank will have an appraiser, and every you cannot use the bank without an appraisal being done. So it's basically the bank saying, "This is what I think your house is worth." 
Well, listing agents, which I am a listing and a buyer's agent, we do the exact same thing. We create reports that show you the, the distance, the radius, the, the comparable subjects, because you can, want, you can tell me, I want to list my house for a million. But if my numbers show you can only list it for three fifty, I'm not gonna take. I will say I can't take you as a client because I'm not gonna. I know we're not gonna sell it for a million. It's a three bed, one bath for eleven hundred square feet. It's not gonna sell for a million, buddy. I'm not gonna take you on. If that's your expectation, I'm gonna disappoint you. All right. So I want to do like a little quick kind of home true or false thing for somebody who may not know about about these certain things. So. I guess you can say these are home buying myths. Um, one, do you necessarily need 20% as a down payment? Nope. There's different, that's false, false. There are different programs. For instance, uh, on my second home, they always say 20% down for your second home. If you talk to a good realtor, they know good lenders. And my lender gave me 5% down on my second house. Oh, good. That's, that's good to know. Um, also, should you definitely get a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage? I would. Why not? Hell yeah. I would. I ain't trying to pay more. <laughs> <laughs> if, you can, if you can pay it off sooner, there are – I mean, most, most of the loans that I've seen are you can pay quicker without any penalties. Just make sure that at closing, you, the lawyer and the lender both say the same thing. You can try to pay it off sooner without there being any penalties. There are programs where if you try to pay it off sooner, they will penalize you. Now, why would they penalize you for it? There's just there's, that's how the program is set up. That's just how the lending pro. I think that would be a good question for a lender. I don't have a clue, but there are actual programs that if you try to pay it off quicker, they can penalize you. Out of all the the closings I've been at, I haven't had one that will penalize you. But I want you to be aware and ask your lender in case you do have one of those programs and you don't learn the hard way. Yeah, true or false? You can't buy a home if you have substantial student loan debt. I'm going to say false on that one. I am not a lender, but I have seen students. Um, I have seen Vanderbilt students with that, that have been able to buy a home. I would say, yeah, I oh, would say, I would, yeah, I would say speak to your lender because remember, if you come to me, the first thing I'm going to tell you is I, w- I want to work with you, but you need to, if you don't have 600,000 in cash, I need you to speak to a lender. You either have the cash or a loan. So I will send you to a lender. And say, hey, I would love to show you a home, but I'm not going to waste my time showing you a home unless you're pre-approved. Most realtors are going to tell you that. True or false? The down payment is the only money you'll need at closing. That's false. That's false. You will pay whatever you owe your lender, if you use a lender, 3.5%, 5%, whatever you put down. Plus, um, plus, if your realtor has transaction fees, that's, that's nothing. That's like 500 um, plus your home inspection, which is another 500 plus what's your earnest money? How much money are you putting down? But that actually returns goes back to you because the, the deposit you make on the house goes back to your closing costs. Bam. So, okay, let's go back. The three top down payments, the down payment you owe your bank and 3% closing costs. Back in the day, five years ago, the seller used to pay th- your closing costs. They used to pay half of it or all of it or none of it. Um, right now, sellers are not paying any of it because they don't have to. There's so many offers that, that say, I'll pay closing costs. Don't worry about closing costs. I'll pay. And, at, and a closing cost for a house will never, ever, ever be more than 3%. So remember, it's, it's a 6.5% if you do an FHA loan. If you do an FHA loan, 3.5 for the lender, 3% closing costs. If you use a, a conventional loan, let's just say 5% down for the conventional loan, 3% down closing cost, that's 8%. So do them at 320 times 8, 320 times 6.5. Last one. True or false, you should only apply to one mortgage lender. Damn, Kevin, you you brought it. You brought the heat. <laughs> you brought, I would say if you can fall in love with the right lender the first time, like I love Tower Community Mortgage. I use Ludi and Will Norvat at Tower Community Mortgage. I love them. I know they are guaranteed closed. I would just stick with one. If you want to have a second opinion, <clears throat> by all means, you have every right to seek a second and third opinion. Careful with the third one, though. It may start affecting your credit. You don't want to go past two. You do not want to go past two. It will start affecting your credit. All those checks will just start racking it up. 
So like after three is after no, after two, just two. stop. Yeah, I would stop. I mean, personally speaking, I, like if I were talking to a client or myself, I wouldn't go past two. I'd probably go with uh, Tower Community or Chase Morgan. Chase, uh, that's it. I don't think I'd go to any other banks. I mean, I, you need to have good customer service and low interest rates. Good customer service and low interest rates. And, you know, I didn't really care for good customer service until I started doing this. <laughs> when you happen to be around, having to deal with them all. I'm like, yo, I need you to answer my questions like today, not next month. Ooh, so as we wrap this up, I just want you to um, just basically say, why do you love what you do? Why do I love what I do? It really is about caring for people and I really want people to understand that I protect my clients like I protect family and I wish more realtors were like that um, I'm in the people business and so I love and I love making connections um, there are a lot of realtors that are money hungry and I would say if something does not feel right just end it just end it if there's something in your gut there's an intuition saying you know I think this person is a little bit money hungry and they don't have my best interest just walk away because I treat my clients like I treat my family. If I wouldn't put my own mother or grandmother in that situation, why would I put my client in that situation over a check? How, how do you sleep at night? I've actually asked one realtor in my whole career, how do you sleep at night? He said, don't work with Latinos, work with um, Caucasians, they have more money. And this was coming from a Ooh. Latino himself. And I asked him like, how do you sleep at night? So our, our Latinos, you know, by the way, Latino millennials are the fastest buying buyers. They're the fastest buying buyers in today's market. How do you sleep at night not wanting everyone to be a homeowner? I wish everyone was a homeowner. That's why I like it. It's people business and they're making connections that that I have clients that are like family that will always be a part of my life. And that is the conclusion of another episode of Talking Business with Kevin Mumphrey. Until next time, stay blessed.